Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. How is the character of Mr Collins important to the novel as a whole? Remember to support your answer with reference to the novel and comment on its social, cultural and historical context. Now, a few things first about just generally approaching a character question. Notice that the character questions are not asking you to tell the examiner everything you know about the character. That's a common trap which weaker candidates would fall into. The question is angling for the importance of the character to the novel as a whole. Now, what that's really saying to you is how does Austen use that character to make various points that link to her overall theme or message in the novel? So if you've got a question on Mr. Collins, it's not irrelevant to discuss various parts of his character, his pride or um, his obsession with wealth and the aristocracy and Lady Catherine. But you have to do more than just list those things. You have to show what is Austin saying to us through those things. So through the pride of Collins, Austin's making a point about this theme of pride that is going throughout the novel with not just the protagonist, um, Elizabeth or even Darcy, but it's wider spread. It's more characters are exhibiting it. Um, if you're looking at Collins's obsession with wealth and Lady Catherine and social status, what is Austin saying about those things? Well, she's pointing out through a satirical character that these are things that her society holds dear. Um, and she's making them seem ridiculous through a character such as Collins, who's very humorous and entertaining. So in all these things that you find about Collins, you always need to come back to that question, how is Austin using Collins in the novel as a vehicle to make a point? So we're always going beyond just Collins as an end in himself, um, because that's going to be a pretty stunted essay otherwise. So with that in mind, um, what we would really need to do to approach a character essay question is we would need to track through the novel um, where that character appears and what the most salient or important points are about that character. Now, if you've got a major character like Elizabeth Bennet, you're, you're going to have to narrow it down quite a lot. But with a minor character like Collins, the advantage of that is that really there's only a few places in the novel you can go. Now, one thing I would say is a lot of people who did this question started at Collins's proposal to Elizabeth, which is in chapter 19. But there's a lot of good material in earlier chapters that was well worth going back to and eking out. Um, more points because really by the time Collins makes that proposal to Elizabeth he is already an established character in the novel. Austin's already set up um, some very important points about society and marriage and things like that through his character so it's coming coming into the essay a little bit late in the game to start with Collins's proposal itself. I would go right back to 
his initial letter to Mr. Bennett, which is in chapter 13. Um, there's some great lines in this letter, some great words, vocabulary, which show his characteristic pompous tone. Now, many people said in the essay that Collins was pompous. Not many people had quotes to prove it. Um, so going back to that letter and finding some of these, these quotes um, would be really helpful. I'll just pick out a few. Um, he starts it with, Dear Sir, the disagreements subsisting between yourself and my late honoured father always gave me much uneasiness. So just the use of the word subsisting as well. He uses quite um, odd vocabulary, almost as if he's um, learnt words from dictionary and misapplied them. Um, he says, I've been so fortunate as to be distinguished by the patronage of the Right Honourable Lady Catherine de Burgh, widow of Sir Louis de Burgh, whose bounty and beneficence has preferred me to the valuable rectory of this parish. Um, it's deliberately really difficult to, to say his lines um, in, this, in this letter. Um, he uses all these Latinate phrases. He uses all these complex vocabulary um, He's trying to elevate himself. Now, I guess the pathos behind this, the sympathy, is that Collins is not from a very well-to-do family at all. And we find out that, you know, he's not had a great upbringing. So he's desperate for that acceptance. And he's using this academic language to, to try to fit in. The problem with Collins is that he has all this elevated language but he doesn't really say anything of substance so um, after introducing Lady Catherine de Burgh um, he talks about the fact that he's won the parish so he's basically her clergyman um, and he says it shall be my earnest endeavour to demean myself with grateful respect towards her ladyship and be ever ready to perform those rites and ceremonies which are instituted by the Church of England. It's not really saying anything at all. He's saying the main thing he's going to do is make himself um, respectful towards Lady Catherine and perform the rites and ceremonies of a clergyman. Well, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? Um, any clergyman is going to be, you know, marrying people, burying people, all that kind of thing. So he says these things with elevated language, unnecessarily elevated language, and he actually isn't saying anything of substance. Now, having had this uh, letter introducing his character, of course, then we, we meet him when he comes to stay with the Bennets. Um, it'd be really interesting just to pull out a few things about Collins's conduct, the way he constantly makes um, social blunders. So he offends Mrs. Bennet by suggesting that um, one of the girls cooked the meal because, of course, that would suggest that they couldn't afford to have a cook, which they do. Um, he is constantly putting his foot in it, saying the wrong thing. And he is just very socially awkward and he doesn't seem very self-aware either. Um, after tea time, he brings this book of Fordyce's sermons to read aloud to the whole family, um, which, you know, sounds a little bit preposterous. And of course, Lydia, before he'd even read three pages, begins to interrupt him and and ignores him and he is very much offended. He says this, I have often observed how little young ladies are interested by books of a serious stamp, though written solely for their benefit. Um, and reprimands her. Now, in chapter 15, the omniscient narrator gives us um, an overview of Collins 
Um, and again, there's some important details about Collins's character to be drawn from this narration. It says, Mr. Collins was not a sensible man and the deficiency of nature had been but little assisted by education or society. The greatest part of his life having been spent under the guidance of an illiterate and miserly father. So really, he comes from um, quite a, a poor background where his father was illiterate, unable to read or write and miserly, um, obsessed with money and hoarding it for himself. Um, now, it also says in this um, that his veneration for Lady Catherine de Bourgh, mingling with a very good opinion of himself, of his authority as a clergyman and his right as a rector, made him altogether a mixture of pride and obsequiousness, self-importance and humility. So the comedy here is that he's got both pride and humility as key aspects of his character. Um which everybody finds extremely annoying. Now, obviously, everyone's reaction to Collins is basically to find him a terrific bore. Um, and his main social blunder occurs um, at the Netherfield Ball when he decides to introduce himself to Mr. Darcy. Now, Elizabeth tries to stop him from doing this because it's extremely impertinent for somebody to go up to someone of much higher rank and introduce themselves. Um, but Collins replies with this... I consider the clerical office as equal in point of dignity with the highest rank in the kingdom. So the problem is, is Collins has got this aspect of self-delusion that he um, believes that he has every right to introduce himself to Darcy, which, of course, he doesn't. Um, and we can see in Darcy's reaction um, that, again, he's committed one of these blunders, but he remains completely oblivious um, for what he has done afterwards. Now, after that point, the Netherfield Ball, that's when we then get to Collins' proposal in Chapter 19. And of course, here we've got a wealth of material to draw out from what Austin's trying to say about his society. From this point, it's been clearly established that Collins is a character who is proud, but for the only reason of the fact that he's won this good job, the clergyman of Lady Catherine de Bourgh. And Austin is trying to show us how ridiculous it is for someone to basically feel so proud on something which was basically a complete matter of luck. Um, it's obvious that Collins hasn't won that job through um, particular gifting of intelligence, um, but he's obviously taken it as a personal compliment to himself. So with that already established, um, we now see Collins's um, motive in arriving at Longbourn is solely to secure himself a wife. Again, this is an object of satire of Austin society. Um, why is society so obsessed with people marrying off merely to tick a box? And this is what Collins does. He arrives with very little presuppositions about what his wife should be. He just wants someone to, to tick the box and be acceptable for Lady Catherine. So Collins very much goes through the motions in chapter 19 and we see in a lot of detail the language that he uses. He's trying to play this part, um, a bit of the, the courtly lover in there, a bit of the sort of traditional romantic courtship uh, in making his proposal. He asked to solicit the honour of a private audience with Elizabeth um, and then begins to lecture her. You can hardly doubt the purport of my discourse. 
discourse is like an academic word for an essay. So the fact that he sort of translates his academic learning into this area of proposing marriage is kind of ludicrous, really, and shows his ignorance. He lists off all the reasons why he wants to marry Elizabeth, but none of them really are to do with her. He is convinced it will add very greatly to his happiness. Um, It is the particular recommendation of Lady Catherine de Bourgh, and he thinks it's right for every clergyman to set the example of marriage. Um, So really there's a huge amount of comedy here in that he's listening to the woman he's proposing all the reasons why he wants to marry, and none of them are to do with her. Now he does say, um, towards the end of his long speech, um, he wants to assure her of the violence of his affection. So he does uh, start to say that he is in love with Elizabeth, but we know that there, as there is no real understanding between the two characters, we know that he's basically imagined himself to be in love with her without really having any genuine understanding of her character. Now, there's obviously a lot of comedy in the fact that Mr. Collins doesn't accept her rejection either um, and thinks she's playing some kind of courtly love game. Um, And then finally, he says this, it does not appear to me that my hand is unworthy your acceptance or that the establishment I can offer would be any other than highly desirable. My situation in life, my connections with the family of de Bourgh and my relationship to your own are circumstances highly in my favour. And he also says, it is by no means certain that another offer of marriage may ever be made you. So, Collins here is clearly completely deluded, but amid the, digging beneath the sort of comedic purposes here, Austin is making a point about in her society, there are so many women who will overlook Collins's ridiculousness in order to secure themselves a future. Obviously, Charlotte Lucas is going to do just that directly after this. Um, Austin's making a point here about what kind of society does she live in? The fact that a woman has to accept a man like Collins and basically pretend for her own sanity's sake that he isn't a ridiculous man, that he's a sensible man when everybody knows that he's not. Now, there's obviously a lot about Charlotte's motives for accepting Collins. Um, And we looked in class at that extract where Charlotte deliberately meets him accidentally in in the lane and she could not have expected that so much love or eloquence would meet her there. Um, She hears all the spiel all over again that Elizabeth's just heard. But Charlotte decides to take a very different approach to Collins and basically uses Collins for her own ends. Now, whilst in some ways we may see Charlotte as a victim of her circumstances, you know, female powerlessness, we can also in some ways see Collins as a victim as well, um, in that Charlotte basically very coldly uses Collins to get what she wants in life. She sees a man who is simple, easily satisfied, and she thinks, I'll take it. And The fact that Collins has deceived himself that him and Charlotte are one and they're designed for each other, there's a a note of a tinge of sadness there that we know that's not the case and that in Charlotte's opinion, um, we know 
that she feels very differently. So there's a sense in which Collins's character itself um, is making a bigger point about the way that marriage becomes a tool of manipulation amongst people, either men or women. It's not always the men doing the manipulating here. Now, um, the final sort of point to draw out is obviously Collins's letter to Mr. Bennett on Lydia's elopement, um, which we looked at quite recently in class. Now, it's well worth looking at what point is Austin making about this letter. Um, he basically says in plain terms that the death of your daughter would have been a blessing in comparison to what's happened with Wickham, that it's Mr. Bennett's fault because of the um, he says the licentiousness of behaviour in your daughter has proceeded from a faulty degree of indulgence. Um, and also he needs to throw off your unworthy child from your affection forever and leave her to reap the fruits of her own heinous offence. Now, again, there's, there's comedy in the severity of Collins's words here. But what point is Austin trying to make? Well, this is a member of the clergy. How ridiculous is it that he is advocating this very strict um, cutting off and abandoning of Lydia, um, who's barely 16 years old, to the power of a man like Wickham? Um, it seems frustrating that Collins can offer no consolation and no practical help, given his connections that he's always going on about with Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Could he not use those connections for the benefit of his cousin? No, he simply advises Mr. Bennett to cut her off forever. And there's a definite note of glee in his letter that Elizabeth said no. So with all these things we're looking at, we're looking at how Austin is making a point through Collins um, about the very insipid social values that she despised, placing wealth and rank above everything else, um, looking at marriage and how marriage is used, and also there's, I guess, a religious point about if people are going into the profession of being a clergyman simply for financial stability, which is kind of implied in what Collins does, is that the right motive um, for going into a religious profession? And the more we see Collins, the more we see that there isn't a very genuine um, desire for um, in religious instruction in his community but more a desire for connection to Lady Catherine and the benefits of the house and the garden that come with the job. So I think Austin's making some really significant points there about a number of aspects of his society and an essay would need to cover those in detail to show a breadth of understanding. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests, so if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.